Hey, everybody, what is going on? It has been a couple weeks since the last time I have spoken to you all, but welcome back once again to a brand new episode of Sweeten Up. I am your host, Jeff Spencer, coming at you from my podcast studio located in the heart of Newtown, Connecticut. Thank you so much for taking some time to join me today. I greatly appreciate it. As always, if you like what you hear on the podcast today, please be sure to subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts so that you never miss a future episode. You can find the podcast on Instagram and Facebook at Sweeten Up Podcast. That is at Sweet, the letter N, U-P, Podcast. Also, if you have a suggestion for the podcast, want to write into the show, or would like to be a guest on the podcast down the road, please reach out to us at sweetenuppodcast at gmail.com. That is sweet, the letter N, U-P, podcast at gmail.com. It's been two long weeks, but we are back with a bang. And to start things off for this fall season of the podcast, we did not disappoint. My guest on the podcast today was the great and powerful Bob Duff. Bob Duff is an American politician currently serving as member of the Connecticut Senate as Senate Majority Leader, where he represents Norwalk and part of Darien and Connecticut's 25th District. He previously served as a member of the Connecticut House of Representatives representing the 137th District. We covered a wide range of topics, from the passing of legendary Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, his start in politics, running for re-election in 2020, absentee ballots, the police accountability bill, and so much more. So ladies and gentlemen, here he is, my friend, Senate Majority Leader, Bob Duff. Joining me today on the podcast, I am so thrilled to be sitting down via Zoom video conferencing with one of the greatest greatest individuals this state has to offer. Senator Bob Duff represents the 25th Senatorial District, which includes Norwalk and Darien. He reelected to the state Senate in 2018 and was chosen by his Senate colleagues in 2015, 17, and 19 to serve as Senate Majority Leader. And he joins me today on the Sweeten Up podcast. Thank you so much, Senator Duff. And how are you doing? I'm great, Jeff. Thank you. Doing really well. Uh, counting down. Uh, we have an important election coming up on November the 3rd, but lots of other things going on in the meantime. So um, I'm great. Hope you're doing okay too. Thank you. Yes, I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, I, I would really like to start out with something that's been going on right now. Um, it's fresh. It's new in the news. And that is the unfortunate passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who is just such an incredible individual. I mean, icon, uh, a leader. I mean, there's, there's just so many, you know, a revolutionary, there's so many names that come to mind when you think of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. And I know that over the past few days, you've been to vigils and you've been very, you know, outspoken about her passing and everything that's going on because of it. And I would like to start there. So what are your thoughts on the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg and why this election, especially elections in Connecticut are so important right now? Right. Well, thank you. And thanks for framing it that way, because it is very important and it, it does have overtones on the election. Um, you know, losing Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg was is a huge blow to everybody in the country, whether you're Democrat, Republican, unaffiliated or not, because she, uh, whether it was as a um, student or whether it was as a lawyer, whether it was as a um, Supreme Court justice, she had an impact uh, on people far and wide that probably a lot of people don't even realize. Uh, she had so much to do with uh, gender equality and uh, rights of women. Um, she you know, brought issues forward that sometimes people aren't really talking about that then they, you know, in years later, years later, they would be talking about. 
Um, so losing her, you know, you don't get a chance to put everybody on a pedestal, nor should everybody be on one. Um, but Ruth Bader Ginsburg and her life and her mission to public service, um, she should be on a pedestal for that and all that she accomplished. Um, you know, they didn't call her the notorious RBG for nothing. Yeah. Um, you know, she had a personality to her. She had a wit to her. She, um, she knew how to um, get her point across. And, but she also was somebody who was friends with uh, Antonin Scalia, who was, you know, to the polar opposite of her views. So I just want to raise that because, you know, as we go through these very divided times, you know, it's, we all can have our opinions. We all can have our strong opinions on things, uh, but we can't lose sight of the fact that um, people who uh, have different opinions than ours matter too. And um, we need to listen to those opinions um, and their point of view. And so I think Ruth Bader Ginsburg never lost sight of who she was, um, but she wasn't afraid to uh, mix and mingle with people who didn't have opinions like hers. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it, it, it leaves like, it, it leaves a void. You feel like there's just, there's just something just really missing. And especially at a time right now when things are so chaotic and crazy. One place um, that I also want to visit is kind of where you got your start into politics. And I understand that your passion for public service began at the age of eight. And I would love for you <laughs> to uh, explain that. So to, so to answer your question about, yeah, when I was, um, I was eight, I, you know, who knows what, uh, what rumbled in my stomach at the time to kind of get this stuff going. But um, yeah, I think it was probably a conversation around the table with my grandparents and parents on things. And they said, oh, you know, I can't believe this is happening. And for some reason, that mattered to me. And so um, when I was eight years old, I wrote a letter to the mayor, uh, Mayor Collins at the time, about the future of uh, Duffy Field, which is now Veterans Park in Norwalk. And they were thinking of uh, developing it. And so actually the inspiration probably for me running for public office was the fact that he wrote me back and I still have the letter. And it's actually, um, if I can move my zoom here, you see those two letters behind me right here. Yes. <laughs> those were both from uh, Mayor Collins. The first letter was about Duffy's field and the second letter was about litter at the beach. And, um, and both times he wrote me back. So that was pretty amazing to me. So, you know, from a public service standpoint, I always find that it really important uh, and I think it's actually one of my missions um, to uh, make sure I've helped prepare the next generation for public service and inspire uh, a new group of people because, you know, not, not, nobody's ever there forever. And it's really important that um, we, we work hard to inspire the next generation because as with Ruth Bader Ginsburg, she talked about, um, there really is no higher calling than being in public service. Now, you know, right now there's a lot of vitriol, there's a lot of back and forth, there's a lot of division. Um, but when you think about the impact people can make and the good that you can do, um, there's no better way and no more satisfaction than when you help somebody and you are able to make a difference in people's lives. Right. No, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think you put it very well. And, you know, something that kind of ties into that that I've noticed is something that I got today in the mail. And thank you so much was my magnet, my, my Bob, oh, Bob Duff magnet it literally came in the mail today when I was supposed to talk to you, which is so great. And I love it. And I love uh, I love your slogan. Kindness comes back to you. I really, really love that. And I'm curious, where does that where does that come from? And, and you know, that is very important right now with everything that's going on. Well, thank you. And um, I'm glad you got it. Uh, so that's very good. Um, I've been mailing those out like crazy. I actually had to order more, um, but they're very popular. And I mail them all the way as far out as uh, Nevada, Nevada, um, and New Jersey, and New York, and Vermont, even. Wow. Uh, but uh, 
my general tagline for my campaign is standing up for you. And that is a very important phrase for me and what I do with my constituents. I stand up for them all the time. Um, but I, but two years ago, uh, we came up with the idea of doing the magnets. And rather than putting standing up for you, because that's all over all my stuff, we wanted to have a different message because it's been very stressful for the last four years, I would say, or three and a half years. And that, um, you know, we need to be kind to each other. We need to uh, not be divided. We need to be be our better selves, and you know we have to be a good example to our kids and our uh, our families and and you know the younger generation. So we came up with this kindness comes back to you, and because we want you know people to be kind to each other, but and it will it will come back to you in spades. Um, so you know that's that's the inspiration of that, and I tell you it has been it really has taken off, and people really appreciate that message. No, I'm, I, I'm sure they do. And, and I know I do. Um, it's really nice to see because it just makes you feel like with everything that's going on right now, there's someone who kind of understands that we need more civility. So it is very nice. I'm curious to ask you, I know that you're running for re-election right now. And what is it like running a campaign for election? And how is it different this year with COVID and all the craziness that 2020 has brought us? <laughs> yeah, well, um, I think we'll write that something like that in the history books at some point about, you know, um, how, how this all worked out. And we still don't really know. We have uh, 40 days from the day we're actually uh, doing the podcast um, to election day. So uh, we don't know what could happen in three weeks because the numbers could go up, they could go down. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen. People could decide to go vote at the polls. They could end up deciding to do absentee. But it's different this year because, you know, you can't really go out. I mean, some people are door knocking, some people are not. I usually always do an ice cream social in my house that's free for everybody so they can come and meet me and ask questions if they have any. I usually always do a pasta dinner dance and you can't do those things this year. Um, it's really, uh, so you have to think of different ways in which to reach out to, to voters and to make sure you're getting your message across and to communicate with them. So it's um, like everything else, it's a little less on the personal touch but it, and it's a little more on the virtual touch, I guess. But, um, you know, you just do the, you just do the best you can to, to reach out to folks and uh, hopefully get your message out there. You know, and considering right now, um, you know, that you're up for re-election and with COVID, absentee ballots are a big deal. And a lot of people keep saying, oh, well, not a lot of people, but some people will say, oh, well, they don't get counted. It doesn't count. You, you should go and you should vote. That way it gets counted. But I would like to think that you mail in your ballot or you drop it in the Dropbox, it gets counted. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think to uh, remember, I always like to remind people that states run the elections, not the federal government. So whatever rhetoric we hear from the president about this, that, or the other thing, uh, states run elections, not the federal government. Um, so I, I will say this. Now, the legislature, this is why I always tell people, I'm like, and I did a Facebook video today about the fact that uh, all roads kind of lead to Hartford and the state capital and state capitals across the country, because if a, if a conservative gets a, uh, appointed to the Supreme Court, Connecticut and the Connecticut legislature will be the backstop to anything that happens that may put us in reverse. So um, I bring that up only because, you know, the legislature is the one, Connecticut legislature said, okay, everybody this year is going to get uh, absentee ballot application because of COVID. So everybody should have gotten their application at this point. They mail it in. Uh, ballots start going out October the 2nd. Now, for me personally, I'm going to drop off my ballot at the Dropbox. There's three in Norwalk, one in the library, one at the uh, police station, and one at Town Hall. And every town has one, at least, at a town hall. So I would, su I would certainly say 
if you're nervous about the mail, and I think the mail is fine around here, but you know, if you're a little nervous and I guess it'll be mid-October or late October, just drop it off at the Dropbox. And um, it's really simple and it will get counted. By law, the uh, town clerk has to empty those things out at least once a day. And I know in Norwalk, they're emptying out more than once a day. And then they'll get, they'll get counted. So it's safe and secure. I don't have any questions about whether or not people's votes will be counted. Um, I feel totally confident that if you vote by absentee, your vote will be counted. Awesome. Well, that's good to hear. And no surprise to me, I had full, I have full faith and confidence. I think everything will be fine. And you know, it's funny, uh, when I fill out my application and when I filled out my ballot during the primaries, I dropped it off at the, um, at the ballot box at my, at my town hall and here in Newtown, Connecticut. And I rode my bike and I see you're out riding a bike. And I'm curious, you know, what kind of bike you got? How often do you ride? <laughs> you like ride? Like, you know, is it around Norwalk or, or what, what, what do you do there? Yeah, thank you. Um, I don't remember what kind of bike it is. I've had it a number of years. I actually have to get it tuned up. Um, it's, starting to, it's starting to need a little bit of help, but uh, especially on the brakes. But, um, but I like riding. You know, I, I exercise. Uh, I try to get out there every day. I have an Apple Watch. That's been very good for me as far as making sure that I get out there and exercise. Um, but I like riding around Norwalk. Like, I'll go from my house to the beach and back, and that's about an 11-mile ride. Um, I'll go to South Norwalk sometimes and you know, go, there's lots of places to see there and, you know, just kind of explore the city. Getting exercise, especially in this pandemic is really important, but I tell you what, getting out and biking, um, you see things that you don't normally see when you're biking. You probably know that, right? And, um, you know, you just, you, it's all of a sudden like things have a different perspective to it. And the great thing is like, I like to ski, like I'm a skier in the wintertime, is that when you're biking, you really got to focus on what you're doing. And just like skiing, so you sometimes you can't be distracted by texts or emails or this or that. So it really is a time for you to kind of be able to, you know, zone out with all the other craziness that's going on in the world and, and just focus on what you're doing. Exactly. And, you know, I feel like most of the time I'm cheating because I have an electric bike that goes up to 20 <laughs> miles an hour. Uh, yep. I am. So I do feel like I'm cheating. But when I saw you're on a bike, I'm like, this, that's so cool. Like, Senator stuff is out here on a bike, you know, just doing just, you know, what, what everyone else does. It's not right. just like, oh, he's just a politician. No, he's just an average cool guy who's just doing what he does. And, you know, when you were out riding your bike, you passed a billboard of yourself. A pretty yeah. <laughs> one. What, what is that like passing a billboard and seeing yourself up there? Um, <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. It's almost like passing my lawn signs. People like to say, what do you, you know, cause they have my pictures too. And they're like, right, right. what do you think of, uh, of all those lawn signs with your pictures on them or the billboards with your pictures on them. Like, right. you know, frankly, I just kind of look past them um, <laughs> because I'm like, it's like, it's so, it's a little weird. I have to tell you, yeah. but, um, but you know, I hadn't seen they, the signs had just gone up. So I was, I was kind of riding around a little bit looking for them. It was almost like playing a uh, where's Waldo, I guess. And um, so I was kind of like, okay, I know there's a couple here. I know there's a couple there. Um, so let me go ride around, look for him. And that's like, you know, let me just, you know, and I, I remember that day I was like, I was going to take a picture with like a selfie. Yeah. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I shouldn't do it. I'm not shaved. And I'm like, no, no, I should do it. I just make fun of the fact that I haven't shaved in a couple of days. Cause well, I got to tell you, one of the only good things about wearing masks outside of the health reasons of wearing masks, which is, you know, we all need to do it. But the other good reason of not wearing a mask, uh, I'm sorry. The other good reason of wearing a mask right. is that you don't have to shave. Exactly. exactly. I, get, I went out the other night and I'm like, Oh, wait a minute. I, don't, I get to put a mask on. I don't have to shave. Oh, I'm so happy. That <laughs> doesn't matter what the face looks like over there. You're all good. Exactly. I, I couldn't agree more. There, there are some silver linings besides just, you know, 
looking out and protecting those around you, which is of the utmost importance. Right. And right. you know, it's funny you, you speak about Norwalk. I actually used to live in East Norwalk back in the day a few years ago for a couple of years and um, really close to Stu Leonard's. And I actually, hopefully this weekend, because Chef Storch is, uh, he's been on me about it. I have not yet been to match in South Norwalk and Chef Storch is like, get out here, get out here. And I'm like, I got to get out there. So I'm he's actually, gonna, no, he's amazing. He came on the pot. It was, it was, I was so thrilled to have him on, but I got to get out there and I'm going out there probably this weekend, but speak about Norwalk. I mean, where Norwalk was, how far it's come, you know, what, what do you love about Norwalk and, and what are some things that are happening over there? Yeah. You know, I'm fifth generation Norwalker and my kids are sixth generation, obviously. And, you know, born and raised here, went to the public schools here, came back. Uh, I've seen a lot of changes in the city and, you know, I always tell people like I've, you know, outside of being the state senator who represents Norwalk and Darien, um, I've been a realtor for 25 years in town. I've bought, you know, sold lots of houses. I've helped people buy lots of houses here. Uh, I was a long-term substitute teacher in Norwalk Public Schools back when I got out of college. Wow. And, you know, I have kids who go to the public schools. So, I mean, there's really nobody more best invested in the city, I feel, than I am in that. And, uh, you know, I'm just, I, all I want to see is, um, you know, Norwalk succeed and do well and uh, be able to thrive into the future. I try to think of things really as in long term, uh, in a long term way, so that the city, some, you know, will be able to succeed you know, long after the day that I'm ever in elective office and that, you know, and I've se I think we've seen a lot of fruits of that labor uh, that have happened. So, you know, for example, you know, uh, and I, you know, it takes other people before me and people after me to, to be able to, uh, to do things and improve things. But, yeah. you know, we think of like places like Sono, which is really awesome. I mean, that when I was growing up, that was, you know, they couldn't give those buildings away and now they're sell for a lot of money. There's been a lot of development there, and I've helped with a lot of that development. And, um, you know, that, that helped bring more feet on the street. Uh, so that's been a huge change down there. Um, there's been change uh, all over the place, whether it's in the schools or uh, whether it's um, down a Wall Street area and help, you know, I've supported that obviously as well. Uh, West Avenue, uh, and I'm sorry, West Avenue, Wall Street will get some improvement, I think, pretty soon. Um, and that's going to be really important as well. Um, but you see a lot of people coming in now to Norwalk that had not come in here before, but it's really become uh, a, a place where people want to uh, congregate. They like the urban feel. They like the restaurants. They like the cultural life. And, you know, I'm just very bullish on this city and the fact that um, there's just people coming in here who, who never thought about living in Norwalk before. And oh, by the way, let me not, let me not miss you know, we have the great coastline and our beaches, uh, Sheffield Island, which is awesome, the Oyster Festival, the Norwalk Symphony. I mean, I can go on and on, the Maritime Aquarium, Stepping Stones. Um, so there's just really so much that uh, people can take advantage of. And when I'm riding my bike down to the beach, I mean, even the other day, I mean, beach time is almost over for folks, but there's still people there, people walking around enjoying what they, you know, enjoying the fruits of everybody's labor from a, you know, government standpoint, from the municipal government, they're really doing a great job there. And, you know, taking advantage of, of what the city has to offer. So I just think that it's a great place to live. And it's, we're so convenient to New York. Um, and I don't know why anybody else would want to live anyplace else. So no, I agree. Norwalk's a great place from my time being there for the few years that I was until I moved back to, um, to Newtown. I, I absolutely loved it, and I've I've had thoughts of returning, and I still have, and I still have thoughts of returning, and who knows, maybe I will. I mean, it's a place, it's a place that I definitely loved, and 
you know, when I think of Norwalk, I think, man, fireworks at Half Pasture Beach, great memories there. I think, um, you know, great memories at the at the Oyster Festival. I'm a huge oyster guy. I love yeah. oysters. My family um, uh, used to live in Maine, and I spent countless years up there eating oysters um, at King Eider's Pub at this tremendous restaurant while, uh, in the Waldeboro area of Maine. And, you know, something I kind of want to pivot to on a more serious uh, issue is, you know, considering I live in Newtown, Connecticut, my, my father was a custodian at Sandy Hook Elementary School for almost 20 years, pretty close. He just retired this year, actually. And thankfully, he wasn't there that day. He was supposed to be, but he wasn't because um, a friend of his took his shift. But I had a cousin that was there that day at the shooting at Sandy Hook um, Elementary School back in 2012. And I know that gun control is something that you're very passionate about. And I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on um, what, you know, what, what's going on right now with gun control and where you would like to see our state to, to go into the future. Yeah, I appreciate that question. And, you know, I don't think, um, you know, gun control right now in Connecticut is really a, a big issue. It's a hot issue. A lot of people talking about it, especially in our part of the state. And I would say that prior to the Sandy Hook tragedy, it really wasn't as front and center as it is now. And, and I think a lot of legislators didn't really even think so much about gun issues because it was always, as soon as you put your name on something, the NRA or other special interests would come in and knock it down pretty quickly. And you'd be, you know, you'd be considered anti-gun or something like that. And then Sandy Hook happened, and I think it propelled uh, a lot of people into action to do something. And frankly, though, we've, we've had, you know, prior to that in the 80s, especially we had an urban gun issue, a gun violence issue that probably, uh, that I know we ignored, you know, for far too long. Um, but I will say that this was the impetus for a lot of work to be done. And at one of the proudest moments I had as a legislator was the fact that um, I, uh, I voted for that bill. It was a bipartisan bill. Very glad it was bipartisan. I thought there was a lot of value in that. And um, we have some of the strictest gun laws in the country. Now, um, if I can say that there were, at the time, a lot of people who said that uh, we're going to make Connecticut less safe, that gun crime is going to go up, uh, that uh, we've just, you know, we've, we've done nothing to um, help in, in gun violence prevention, only taking guns away from law-abiding citizens. Now, since that bill passed, is now law, we now can see the fruits of our labor. And in fact, we've seen gun crime go down. Uh, we've seen gun violence go down. Uh, we see fewer people in prison right now. And, um, and I, I think we have, a, uh, and we have a lower murder rate. So, um, you know, there's, there's been really good uh, results of, um, of what we've done on that law. Now, since then, we've built upon it with uh, safe storage laws, um, banning bump stocks, banning ghost guns, things like that in our temporary restraining order bill that we did. So, um, so I just, I'm sorry for the long answer, but I just wanted to say that, you know, a lot of the work that we, we did has built upon what, we, what happened in Sandy Hook, but we've been, we're, one, we're fortunate, we've been fortunate that um, we live in an area, the states around us also have strict gun laws and that's been very helpful. We don't have the same problem Chicago does, which is very strict gun laws in Chicago and around them is uh, they have more holes in the Swiss cheese with their gun laws, which is why they have so much uh, violence there. So we have that. And secondly, is that we have a legislature that understands that these that we need to continue to fight on this issue. Yeah, no, it's 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 a big issue. And I, I appreciate your stance on it, because I think it's the right one. And 
I saw recently you spoke to Connecticut Against Gun Violence. And what does it mean to you to be endorsed by Connecticut Against Gun Violence and the A rating they gave you? Well, you know, I'm very happy about that and proud to have the A rating for sure. Um, because again, you know, this, when we took that vote in for Sandy Hook, there was a lot of pressure on us to vote against it. Uh, there were a lot of people who were very loud about um, voting against that bill. And then I knew it was the right thing to do. And as a, as a legislator and as a leader, you have to do the right thing, obviously, um, or what you think is right. And then, so having, and then building upon what we've done has been really important. So partnering with, with them and their advocates are really important. One of the things I always say in the legislature is that, you know, when you have an issue that is important and you're trying to get it over the goal line and you're, you know, kind of running up the hill, me as a legislator, think of like an army, uh, you know, as, as a colonel in the army, you know, I'm a senator, um, I, can't, I can't run up the hill by myself. Right. You, need the troops, you need the troops behind you. And if you don't have the troops behind you, you're never going to get it done. So their advocacy of Mom's Demand and Connecticut Against Gun Violence and others uh, have been really, really important to, um, to helping to make our state safer. That's great. And, you know, I also saw recently that you were endorsed by the Connecticut League of Conservation Voters. What does that mm -hmm. endorsement mean to you as well? And what is Connecticut doing now? And what should we be doing in the future to address climate change and other environmental issues? Right. Well, I mean, the, uh, you know, getting the endorsement of the Connecticut League of Conservation Voters is really important to my constituents living uh, on a coastline. And it's not a partisan issue. You know, everybody wants clean water, clean air. Uh, and, you know, I think the people in Norwalk and Darien um, recognize the value of having a Long Island Sound that's clean and healthy and having air that's clean. I mean, unfortunately, you know, we get a lot of pollution that comes from the West and comes into our area. So we have to deal with that. But we also, uh, outside of that, we, we also have a, a transportation problem where, you know, 70% of our pollution comes from transportation. So we've got to really uh, work on that. It's more of a national issue. Um, but we can still work on that. One of the best things we actually done is, uh, well, a few things, but one of the best things we actually did, which probably most people don't know about, is we have a program called the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative. It's a regional initiative with many other states. It's actually like a cap and trade, and it brings the state money, but it also helps uh, reduce pollution. And we've, we've actually had some really good results from doing that. Now, we're not anywhere near where we need to be, um, but it's having a huge impact uh, for us and it's having a huge impact for the other states that are part of us. We also um, had the first uh, in the nation, Connecticut Green Bank, uh, which helps to invest in programs that are of clean energy. We also have a, a conservation fund as well. And uh, those are, that's very helpful. But as far as, you know, like, you know, looking at, uh, you know, we ban paper, we ban plastic bags. We're looking at uh, various kinds of chemicals. I've been very high, very uh, much into chemical policy reform over the years. And that's a huge issue. So lots and lots of things that we can do. I only wish, Jeff, that um, I only wish that the federal government would take a more active stand in these kinds of things. Because, you know, Connecticut's a small state and we, we can have an impact, but it's a very small impact considering what the federal government can do. No, it's true. I, I completely agree. I, I really wish the federal government would have more of a, you know, would step up. And, but hopefully with this election, Maybe some things can change, and we can get that uh, we can get that climate change uh, commitment that uh, you know we would really really like. You know, something that I thought that was kind of interesting, um, and correct me if I'm wrong. You were an intern for um, a senator in our state, Chris Dodd. Um, yep. and what was that like? <laughs> that was. Uh, how old were you? I was uh, 20 because I think I turned 21 on my one of my last days 
there. Um, so uh, yeah, that was that was you know it was one of those things where um, you do that and you're like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm actually going to be working in, at the United States Senate. And so I have to say, Chris Dodd was really great to me. I was the only full time intern at the time. Uh, he had a lot of kids who came in uh, a couple days a week, but I was there Monday through Friday. So I really got a niche of the place. And actually, one of the things I did, because uh, usually, you know, they put the interns in the mailroom and things like that. I ended up working in the press office a lot. Um, but I also um, learned the capital really well. I mean, really, really well. And, um, and so I gave tours to a lot of the senators, VIPs and other groups. And so, so much so that this at the time this is 1992 uh at the time security actually security people actually thought i was a staffer so they'd let me on the floor of the senate they let me on the floor of the house and um and i remember in this in the senate all the desks are very very old and you know they're antiques and so they would have the initials of senators who were who had been there before like strom thurmond or others when he did a big filibuster the Civil Rights Act, wow. and, and I remember one only time I ever got in trouble was when I started opening the senators' desks to look <laughs> for their initials. But I thought it was kind of cool, right? Um, but it was it was great. And and Senator Dodd brought me on the floor of the Senate once before he made a speech. Um, and you you know you meet people like I've never seen Al Gore at the time. I mean, these are all people who, you know whose time has passed. Um, and seeing Ted Kennedy and you know kind of the kind of a lot of these icons who were there back then. You know Bob Dole and others. Um, and then, you know, it was really, really fun. I will just tell you that um, as an intern, you know, we didn't get paid. Um, so my friends and I would go every night, there'd be receptions sponsored by various groups. And so, you know, it would be like the, um, uh, you know, car manufacturers or the aluminum club people, or you, you name it, there's an association for whatever group, you know, people who wear t-shirts every day um, group. And um, we, we, uh, we used to joke that we'd go to all those receptions just to eat the food because <laughs> we, were, we were 20 years old and hungry and weren't making any money right uh, and then we'd say oh yeah i'm from senator dodd's office they want to start talking to us and i'm like but i'm an intern there's nothing i can do to help you here but uh you know please pass that food over because i'm starving but it was a great experience and um one i would never forget it was just fun and i'm still in touch with some of the people i interned with it's, it's been great it's great that is so cool. That is so awesome that you you got to do that and have that experience in, in D.C. It's almost like you were cutting your teeth at a young age before you even thought that you were going to yeah. be where you are now. And, you know, did, did you, you know, I, I understand that you went to Lynchburg College. I can actually see in the background, but I know that you went there <laughs> because I, I had researched you a little bit. And I know you went for a political science degree. Was being a politician or being in politics something that always kind of spoke to you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, actually, yes. Uh, weirdly, uh, yes. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because most people come on here. I'm like, was politics always wanting to get it? You know, always what you want to do, and they're like, no. <laughs> so it's always it's nice to hear from someone who's like, yeah, like I, I, I this is. Something. I remember, you know, when I as soon as I turned 18, I remember going into the Redshaw Voters Office, and at that time, you had to raise your hand and swear, and you had to sign the thing, and they're like, right. what party? And I'm like, Democrat, and uh, did that whole thing, and then. Uh, when I went to college and uh, I sat there and the, the professor said, you know, who's, you know, pretty sure about being a political science major? Like I am. Uh, I love it. I love, you know, and I, it's funny because people say, oh, politicians, like, no, 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 we're all public servants. Uh, that's how I view it because politician has always such a negative connotation to it. And I always kind of like to view ourselves as more public servants. But um, I think it, it's, like I said, it's an honorable profession. But if you really look at 
like I remember the classes I took and learning about you know history and how you don't want to you know repeat certain things in history and how you can tie so many things together and you know it's just it's just really uh, you know the political world is just you know it's challenging in a lot of ways but it's so rewarding in other ways and I I don't know that's it's I guess it's a kind of crazy that that I love it so much but. Um, it's just, it's really been something that um, I feel has you know, been a passion of mine. And considering you've been in it for a while and it's something you've done for a while, have you noticed any sort of change regarding, I guess, like ethics, you know, um, morality? You know, things have gotten so divisive and just so, well, if you're this way, then I don't like you. And it's just, you know, and I feel like things we can talk, we can sit down, we can agree, we can disagree but we can still get along and like each other. And I feel like, you know, it's interesting because September 11th just passed and I remember so many people like, man, you know, um, you know, obviously the tragedy was terrible and awful. I mean, obviously back then so many more people were so willing to look out for others. And so many people said to me, man, I really miss, you know, the days of the aftermath of September 11th where the country came together. And right now with COVID-19, we see people want to wear a mask. People don't want to wear a mask. There's just so much division. Almost anywhere you look or turn to, any topic can be turned into um, political, can be turned into a political topic. And you're one way or you're this way. You know, you're Republican if you don't wear masks. You're a Democrat if you do wear masks. And have you noticed this change throughout the years of just having respect for one another and then eventually just getting to this point where it's like, well, I won't talk to you anymore. I mean, have you noticed any of this that I'm talking about? Well, a little bit. I mean, there's, um, I shouldn't say a little bit. Yes, of course, like everybody else. I just say how it's impacted us in Connecticut is maybe a little different in the legislature. But, you know, I think there's been a few things that that impact that. One is, you know, we have 24-hour news shows that, I mean, you you can watch what you, what you want and kind of reinforce kind of what you think. Um, you've got that. Uh, you've got uh, gerrymandering, which is which puts people in districts of you know who think the same, so you don't have competitive districts anymore. My district was actually gerrymandered Republican, not Democrat, and um, so you know it's always one. I think when you have a district that is fair um, to both sides, you get a more uh, you get somebody who's more thoughtful, hopefully, and that will look at both sides rather than just always worrying about a challenge from their left or from their right. Um, so, you know, so you've got, you know, the gerrymander, you've got the, the 24-hour cable shows, uh, I think, that, that feed into those kinds of things. Then you've got social media. And social media, for all, you know, for, it can be such a, a good thing for so many people to be able to get your message out, do like podcasts, do, you know, all these kinds of things that are really great. But on the other hand, you've got people who say things and do things that we would never say or do in person, never, ever, ever. And, you know, that, that just really brings down the level of conversation tremendously. I will say this though, Jeff, that in Connecticut anyway, 85% of the legislation that we do is uh, unanimous and 95% of it is bipartisan in the state Senate. Because I I ask people that all the time. I say, well, uh, do you all think that we are throwing chairs at each other and yelling at each other and this and that? And they're like, oh yeah, you guys are doing that. I'm like, no, no, no. In Connecticut, we really don't do that as much. Now, it's getting a little different and it's starting to creep in, which I hope it creeps back out again soon. But um, but, you know, I have very good Republican friends, and uh, I'm, I'm one of the six legislative leaders. And, you know, we can, we can talk, and we can yell, and we can fight, and we can this and that. But at the end, we walk out. We're talking about our kids. We're talking about this and talking about that. You, and I always, when I see, um, when I go to schools, and I try to spend a lot of time in the schools when, you know, when you could, I always tell people, attack, attack the issue. Don't attack the person. 
And uh, we got to get away from attacking the person. Attack the idea. That's fine. That's totally on, on base. Uh, but don't attack the don't attack the person. That doesn't that doesn't do anything. People don't like it. I agree. We're all different. We all have different opinions, and, and we're all free to have those opinions. <laughs> imagine <laughs> but, that. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. A few more questions before I let you go. Sure. And one of those is, what's the best part about being Senator Bob Duff? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Let's see. I'd like to say that uh, my kids just worship the ground I walk on, but that's just not the case. Um, uh, but I, because I still have to bring out the garbage on uh, Wednesday. <laughs> right? But um, no, the best part about being uh, in my job really is when you get to you get to see, to see the difference you make. And I'll I'll tell you specifically. You know, when you pass laws, lots of times it's intangible. Like number one, like we're talking about the Sandy Hook law. It's intangible. You don't really know at the time what impact it's going to have on people. You pass a minimum wage increase. You really don't know. You know, you don't know all the people you're helping. And so it's a bit intangible when you're pressing the green button or the red button. Um, but I will say that constituent services, you know, helping somebody who has a problem with Department of Labor or has a problem with Department of Motor Vehicles or has a problem with the city of Norwalk or Darien or whatever, and you help them resolve the issue. That is some of the best things that we can do. And it's some of the hardest stuff that we do because it's really one-on-one, but is the most rewarding aspect of the job. I mean, think about when we, you know, when everybody was trying to file for unemployment and what a disaster that was. Um, Helping, when people wrote back and said, thank you so much, I would not have gotten this if it weren't for you. And I was running out of money. I didn't know how I was going to make my next rent payment or mortgage payment, so thank you. Um, Or when the tropical storm came and people's lights were off and I was, working hard to get people their lights back on and said, thank you for doing that. And so, you know, that, is, that part of the job is extremely, extremely rewarding, uh, difficult, but extremely rewarding. That's awesome. That's great to hear. And, you know, I know that recently you made news because you voted on a controversial bill, the police accountability bill, and you had gone to Norwalk to speak to the police officers and there was sort of a little incident that occurred. So I guess what I want to ask you is what exactly occurred and I guess I'll segue into what are some of the hardest parts about being Senator Bob? Yeah. Well, I will say, yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was a terrible experience and one that I would not wish on anybody. Um, you know, I went to the police department in, in good faith to talk about the, uh, to talk to the police union about the police accountability bill. Granted, they weren't happy about it, um, but I've known a lot of them for a very long time. Always supported them. You know, I helped write and pass the first post-traumatic stress disorder bill for police and firefighters in the country. Um, and did a lot of work for them, amongst other things, you know, and I've articulated that, um, you know, I walk in the door, I get two cops who say, as I'm walking down the hallway, what the F is he doing here? Walk into the meeting, you know, 15 or 20 non-executive board meeting members storm into the room, you know, try to intimidate and bully, walk out the door, <clears throat> talking to an uh, officer, an uh, officer who I knew for a very long time, he knows my family, uh, comes out the door, stares at me uh, and spits uh, uh, at me. He had 20 cops behind him. Uh, I was asked to leave the department uh, because uh, they felt that, you know, the officers were angry at me or just angry. Um, And I didn't, you know, I don't think that's right. I mean, I'm a taxpayer. I support that building just as much as anybody else does. And then when I was leaving, uh, there were probably about 15 or 20 officers who came out from the back uh, as a show of force and intimidation. And, um, you know, none of that is right. And then on top of that, for the Two weeks after the uh, bill passed, I had what I thought was uh, an off-duty cop drive past my house at like 6.20, 6.30 in the morning and 3 or 4 o'clock in the afternoon and yell out expletives that my wife and kids could hear. So, I mean, you know, none of that is pleasant. It's not professional. 
Uh, and we're waiting to see what comes out of that. But, you know, I always say that it happens to somebody like me, a state senator, a white guy, you know, uh, who has a public platform and I can speak out about this. What are they, what, what's going on to people who, who don't look like me, who don't have the public platform that I do? So that this department's got to do some soul searching. So, you know, anticipation of your uh, question about what's the hardest part, you know, the hardest part is that uh, on things you, you know, you only get to vote yes or no. You don't get to vote kind of, or, or there's no gray button in there. So, so that's, that's one of the harder parts. And sometimes you just, you know, you want to help somebody, um, but it's, it's what they're asking for and what you can do are two different things. And sometimes people get upset that you, they think you could be able to do, or you have a magic wand and you really don't, you can't solve their problem. You try, but you can't always solve the problem. That's just an unfortunate and terrible situation. When I saw it in the news, I just, I fell for you because I just, I couldn't imagine what that must be like because I, you know, I don't know you too well. This is the first time we've ever had a conversation and I hope we have more in the future because you're a really awesome guy. But I look at you and I don't think of you as someone who doesn't like the police or thinks badly of the police. I don't really think anyone who voted yes for that bill thought, oh, I don't like the police. It's not about that. It's about holding the police more accountable. And, you know, the, the people, my friends that I work with on the podcast, um, you know, my producer, my writer, my art, you know, artists, you know, everyone who, who helps me with this podcast, we had a discussion about this at nauseum. And we looked over the bullet points one by one by one. And we thought, you know, we're not police officers. So obviously, we don't understand. But we looked at the bullet points. And we thought, what is difficult about this? I mean, it just it's just an extra layer of accountability. And I felt on some cases, it actually helped the police because if you're doing your job the way you should, you shouldn't be worried about this extra police accountability. And that's kind of, that's kind of what our thought was. So yeah, no, I agree. I mean, this is not going to impact 95% of the police officers who do a good job and do their, you know, do their work every day. Uh, I've been, you know, how many, I can't even count how many ride-alongs I've done with the police, state police and local police. Over the years, mid, I've done the midnight shifts because they're the you know they're the ones where the most action is against my my wife and my mother's uh, <laughs> advice. But um, so you know I've I've done lots of things over the years to support the police, and I really do believe that this is this this will help. I mean, police some police actually when we when we did body cameras uh, fought against body cameras. I said, wait a minute. I said that's going to be a great equalizer. If you're not doing anything wrong and you get accused of something that's going to be great for you. Exactly. Uh, and, and, but if you are doing something wrong, it's not going to be great for you. Exactly. Uh, so, so, you know, it keeps everybody honest and uh, that's what we need. I mean, look at, look at what, what we've seen police do across the country. And if it weren't for cell phone videos, people would have, you know, police officers would have gotten away with some. Same with civilians. You know, the civilians aren't always right, obviously, and police aren't always wrong. Um, and so, you know, they're actually, it's interesting, after the, um, uh, George Floyd was killed, there was a rally up at the state capitol, and, you know, talked about how this was terrible and that we've got to come together and that we've got to make reforms and things like that. And I said, not all police are bad. I actually got booed for saying that, but I felt very strongly that I should say not all police are bad. It's true. And, um, and so, uh, you know, I still feel that way and that, you know, there's a, there's a few in here that, that need to make some changes. Um, but, you know, for the most part, let's just make our community safer. Let's bring confidence back to our police departments. No, I agree. I agree. And I agree with your uh, uh, statement 
that um, that most are good because it's true. I mean, I I know a bunch that are great people that I'm I'm friends with that do the right thing and and got into it because they wanted to help people and wanted to do the right thing and didn't want to have these situations that are occurring. But I really appreciate your thoughts on that. And a couple more things to wrap up. I know you're in a re-election year, so for all my people who are listening right now, those who may be in your district, maybe not, but maybe have friends who are, who knows, why Senator Bob Duff? Uh, well, thanks. I appreciate that question. And, you know, it's because I love standing up for the people of Norwalk and Darien, and I love working on issues that I think are really important. So whether it's uh, with COVID, keeping people safe and making sure that we're doing, we believe in science and that we're, we're taking every single measure to uh, keep people healthy, but also at the same time balancing that with reopening our economy. And I think we've been able to do both uh, very well, considering the fact that well, we've let science lead and we've let health lead, uh, which has allowed us to do things that other states haven't done uh, because they rushed the issue. So, you know, things like, you know, health, uh, issues like making sure that uh, we're still obviously working for healthcare and better healthcare for folks, that we're working for better transportation systems, that we're working for businesses and growing our economy and looking into the long-term, rebuilding our cities, making sure that we have the best schools around and that we're not leaving our urban kids behind, that we have safe streets and uh, we hold people accountable for what they do. So I think for all those reasons, you know, it's uh, that's why you have to look long-term. We only have two-year terms, um, but I think looking at things in only a two-year prism is, is not good policy and doesn't work well. You've got to look at things in a longer term venue so that um, you can make real good, really good changes for the state. Thoughts on Joe Biden and Kamala Harris for this election? Um, I am on my knees every day praying that they get elected because we need it. Couldn't agree more. I could not agree more. Listen, uh, Senator Duff, before I let my guests go, one thing I was asking them was, do they have a favorite place to get pizza in the state of Connecticut? <laughs> because I know recently uh, Connecticut had six different places that made the best pizza in the country. Um, and I'm curious, do you, do you have a favorite place in New Haven when you're out there? Or do you have a favorite place by you? And if you're not really a pizza guy, maybe tell me some places that you like to go to eat. Yeah, it depends, really. I mean, it depends what I'm in the mood for. I mean, I, I like... Um and and I don't want anybody to get insulted if I don't mention their names, but I like East Avenue pizza. I like uh, the colony because that's thin. It depends really what I'm in the mood for. And I could probably name about five other places that I like. Uh, Via Sforza is very good. Jordan's is good. Um, you know, it depends if you're on Greek, Italian. You know, pizza you I live in Norwalk. I would go to Jordan's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, there's really good. I mean, we're so fortunate in Norwalk. And I don't know if I mentioned this before, but the food here is great. I mean, you get so many different kinds of so food around. I mean, it's really awesome. So, you know, there's, uh, I, I forget New Haven pizza. That's probably a sin to say, right? <laughs> but I, li I live in Norwalk and represent Norwalk and Darien. So even Darien, Post Corner Pizza is delicious. They got great pizza there. Um, so, I mean, there's plenty of places to go if you're hungry. Listen, you heard it here from Senator Bob Duff. He's a man of his district. He runs, he helps run this state. He does an incredible job and we're very appreciative for that. Senate, Majority Leader Bob Duff on Sweet Up Podcast. Listen, we are so appreciative to have you on. I wish you nothing but the best when it comes to your reelection. I know you're going to knock it out of the park, and then <laughs> we'll you. talk. And then we'll talk again next year uh, when you're once again Senator and Senate Majority Leader. So, Bob Duff, thank you so much. Have a great night and take care. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. Huge thanks once again to my guest on the podcast today, Senate Majority Leader Bob Duff. Wishing you all the best in your re-election this year. 
I know that you will be returning as our Senate Majority Leader, and I look forward to speaking to you again down the road. Yet again, another episode of Sweeten Up is in the books. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We would greatly appreciate your feedback. As a reminder, you can play the podcast with the help of Alexa or Siri by simply saying, play the podcast Sweeten Up with Jeff Spencer. Thank you as always to my best friends, the guys who make it all possible, post-production and music Morgan Lutzi, art director Kurt Vinci, editor and writer Nick Passacretta, and huge thanks as always to Devin Sapelli. Next week on the podcast, I will be joined by Connecticut's most popular weatherman, Fox 61's very own Matt Scott. Meteorologist Matt Scott joined Fox 61 in 2013 and brings over 20 years of broadcasting experience to the Fox 61 morning news weather team. Originally from New York City, Matt attended the University of Maryland and Mississippi State University. In addition to his work in Connecticut, Matt has worked in West Virginia, Mississippi, Charlotte, and Boston, and has been nominated for Emmy Awards multiple times. But until then, you know the deal. You have to by now. Stay safe, stay healthy. Love you all. Peace.